Blog Talk Radio. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body this hood, politics, acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee. I duck, could it be my time is up with my love? I got up, the cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas, it's grown, hood rats. Don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, Brothers knifing each other up in prison yards 
the drama, where did you start? You know the block was ill as a youngster. Every night it was like a cop would be killed. Body found in the dumpster, for real a hustler. Purchased my range, niggas throwing dirt on my name. Jealous cause fiends got they working complaints. Bitches left me cause they thought I was finished. Should've knew she wasn't true, she came to me. When a man caught a sentence, diamonds are blinded. I never make the same mistakes. Moving with a change of pace, light a load. See now the king is straight. Swelling my melon cause none of these niggas real hurt. They were telling police, how can a kingpin squeal? This is crazy, I'm on the right track, I'm finally found. You need some soul searching, the time is now. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic. That's all I ever needed in this world. Fuck cash. All I need is one mic. Fuck the cars, the jewelry. All I need is one mic. Spread my voice to the whole world. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee, I up. Could it be my time is up with my luck? I got up, the cops shot again. Bust out glass, burst, a fiend drops a Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rat. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas, it's grown. Look, rats, don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like. Black we are starting out. So, but the chairman, black power. Yes. Black power, black power. All powers to oppressed people. African power to an African people. Thank everyone for joining us. Pardon me for my tardiness. It's your brother, national chairman, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Yanga and Krumah, coming to you again on another Tuesday. An opportunity, you know when I say an independent uh, blog talk radio, your radio station, an opportunity for you to share with us, for you to build with us, critiques and criticisms. And like every Tuesday, I'm excited to be addressing my people. I mean, I really look forward to hearing, getting the feedback and getting the uh, intake of my people. Um, you know, because this is the only way we build. I think anyone who knows me knows my philosophy and my ideology is one of African communalism which is the participation of all people of African descent, African people for the betterment, the empowerment, the advancement, and the involvement of African people here in America and throughout the diaspora. Um, I show today the need for Pan-Africanism, or why Pan-Africanism, you know, the beauty of Pan-Africanism. And one of the things that inspired this show was, it was a couple things. The first thing that it inspired the show was on a central committee call that we had, and we have been working in here on the East Coast, and I'm sure on the West Coast, our West Coast chapters have been working on black-brown relationships, 
but especially here on the East Coast with a lot of comrades that I have met, I have met one in particular, Sister Bella, who is a Boricua, is a Puerto Rican. Um, and I don't know, for people who didn't have the opportunity to hear her when she was on our program last time, and I'm looking forward to having her back again, and, and so if you have those questions, she was explaining what was going on in Puerto Rico, how Puerto Rico was still a colony. And if though if you brothers and sisters don't know what that means, I mean, first of all, I was shocked to hear in this day and time that there were still colonies, that America still had colonies, was still colonizing people. Let that sink in for a moment. That the United States are still colonizing people. Um, but how Puerto Rico was a colony and what that meant was that Puerto Rico couldn't participate in any federal elections or any of that, yet they were governed by and held subject to the laws, rules, regulations, and policies and federal procedures of the United States, though they couldn't practice or participate in the election of federal officials and electives. Why this stood out, you know, more than anything was, um, and Bella may help this to stand out for me, was the whole movement of the this whole Boricua movement of Puerto Ricans who are acknowledging themselves or acknowledging their African ancestry. And that's important. That's important. But so that begins so that's what opened my eyes to the uh travesties or to the injustice, the injustice of what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico who are our brothers and sisters based on that African ancestry. And then today, watching the news that Mugabe resigned, the president of Zimbabwe, Mugabe, my man Mugabe, resigned, and the celebration of Africans dancing in the street and Mugabe resigning. So this brought up the whole Pan-African thing, because those of us over here in America, Africans over here in America, who don't understand how these things internationally affect us and who have become removed. It's not, it's, it's, it's sad because it's one thing to be apathetic to our whole politics, but we're apathetic. We are far removed and disconnected to politics that affect us as African people. And you will never, we will never be strong as an African people if we don't stand up for practice this Pan-Africanism and stand up for Africans all across the globe. all across the globe. That is super important. Why is that important? We see, let's take the example, let's take the example of Haiti's. You know, let's take that for example. Haiti's here we have a free black independent republic. They won their freedom like any other nation throughout history has won their freedom. America with its revolution, Russia, the Bolshevik Revolution, the French Revolution, you name it, they, the, um, the people who have fought for their freedom have won their freedom, and their freedoms have been recognized and have been respected and honored by other nations. Not so Haiti. Why? Haiti's won their freedom from the French and end up having to pay the French reparations. 
Haiti's has won their freedom and become an independent, the first independent black nation, and we see the state that Haiti's is in. Not just from all the natural disasters that some may argue have been man-made, you know, but we're talking about the economic, the economic uh, travesties that are visited upon Haiti's. Just the whole, you know, social, cultural, the whole thing. And I don't, and I am one who doesn't believe that this is by accident. But why? How can they get away with this? Because the African people throughout the world are disconnected. We're not unified. You see, they would never, let me tell you something. They would send aid in. They call the UN in. They, uh, you, you know, get ambassadors. They do everything in their power if they have a country, a European country, or a country that is predominantly uh, inhabited by European people or white people going through some type of civil war, economic strife, famine, or whatever. They will send food trucks in. They will send ambassadors in. They will send build corporations to strengthen their economy because of the unification, that pan-Europeanism, that pan-European thing going on. You don't believe me? Look at Israel, the illegal state of Israel. Israel is Palestine, taken from the Palestinian people. It is occupied territory. They've taken and made it their own. And they have the backing of the United States and other European people because of the European Jews. And us as African people, we're so disconnected from one another throughout the diaspora, not just Africa, but to our Haitian brothers and our Jamaican brothers and the West Indies brothers and our brothers and sisters that's even in Puerto Rico who have clearly acknowledged African ancestry. So why is this pan-Africanism important? Why should we pay attention to this? Because in order for us to be free here, in order for us to be a people that are left alone to evolve naturally, for us to be a people that become uh, an empowered people, then we must have the backing of our brothers and sisters throughout the diaspora, throughout the internet, globally. Internationally, we must have it, and those brothers and sisters must say, "Hands off the Africans in America. Leave them alone. Allow them the unencumbered, unhindered ability or right to evolve and to uh, be empowered as a people. And in order for the Africans throughout the diaspora." to speak this language, to have that connectedness, to be connected to us like that, rather, then we have to extend that hand. We have to be connected with Africans throughout. This is the importance of it. And it has to be balanced. We have to have a, a, a balance in it. You know, one of the things I think that I marvel when we talk about ideology, philosophy, our political understandings, and all the other things that we say is how we're disconnected in that. I'll speak to black nationalists, staunch black nationalists, who don't want anything to do with pan-Africanism. And I think that's due to a lack of study, a uh, lack of understanding of pan-Africanism. And when I'll speak to some pan-Africanists, who have the same sentiment in the reverse. They don't want anything to do with black nationalism. They'd rather aid and assist everybody in Africa 
feed the children in Africa, which you should, change the conditions in Africa, which we should, but how do you do it while stepping over a destitute brother or sister in America while moving around a hungry African here in America, while looking at the social conditions, the economic exploitation, the uh, blatant and outright murder of African people here in America, and be so hell-bent on sending all your resources, all your energy, even all your prayers, if you're a praying person, to Africa. I'm saying that we definitely should have some things reserved for the place of our origin, but how do you do that at the expense of where you're at? And vice versa to my um, black nationalist brothers and sisters. How can we call for black nationalism, empowerment in our nation and in our locale? Don't we want this for all black people? They'll say, yeah, we want this for all black people. We want this for all African people. So if we want this for all African people, then the brother or sister that's in Britain or the brother or sister that's in the West Indies or the African, anywhere in the world, if we want them to be empowered in their locale black nationalism, and this is what we sincerely want for them, then that's Pan-Africanism. Now, we have to be united on a global scale. That we don't see what's coming in. It has been our lack of interest in Africa that has allowed them to carve Africa up like a Thanksgiving's coming up, like a Thanksgiving turkey. And divvy Africa out. Exploit the Africans to rape the rich continent and the resources that Mother Africa produces or has within her. Our lack of involvement, our lack of political understanding and political studies, not just nationally but internationally, has left Africa wide open because her people have turned up their back on her. And when you turn your back on your mother, you care not only for your brothers and sisters, not only for your brothers and sisters, but how can you care for yourself? When you don't know your mother, when you don't know where you come from, when you don't have a connection to, um, and I'm not even talking about traditionally, because they severed that. They stole our traditions, our culture, a lot of our customs. But they couldn't steal the African out of us, the African essence. But when you don't, when you begin, so that African essence is in us. It is our willful blindness, our willful um, not adhering to or not recognizing the African in us that leaves us open to all these perversities and sicknesses that we uh, display and exhibit here in America. It is our own doing that has, that has been our undoing. And that is a lack of the tie to Africa, therefore making it, rendering it hard for you and I to really have that common shared experience for one another. So Pan-Africanism is definitely the answer. If not, our phone lines are open. Press 1. We'll recognize you. I would love to hear your version. Your take. 
I would love to hear another another um way of looking at it. You know, I get on there every week, black power. Uh, I actually was reading the news the other day, and uh, uh-huh. Harry, uh, one of the one of the one of the royals from over in uh, England, are saying that there are too many people over in Africa. They're becoming overpopulated. They was given how many years it's going to be until it's a certain amount of folks. And the fact of the matter is, uh, which is very very sad, uh, it was um, chi- it's China that Mugabe even had to uh su- had to um subo- subordinate himself to to be able to um to resign in the way that he did. Uh it is the, it is the Chinese. Uh I got I had one uh gentleman tell me once why are you teaching the kids uh he's from the motherland. Why are you teaching them Swahili when they should be learning Mandarin? I'm like, "What?" But to the matter is they are raping raping Africa. They are raping the motherland, and you are so right because we uh, we have no idea of what's going on economically. Black power. Black power. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, and that's the ticket, that they're raping Africa. You know, I don't know when you said that he said it's, it's, it's becoming overcrowded with what, Africans or um, them. No, or just in general, made, everybody. He made a general statement. However, I'm sure he's speaking about uh, because Africans that they're indigenous. So the only people yeah. that can be pop- possibly overpopulating are the ones that are coming in there to rape the country, and the Chinese being yeah. um, number one uh, because yeah. Britain has uh, England has already done all they can do, and they they got a foothold that belongs to them from from, from mm-hmm. their standpoint. And since and since it belongs to them, they can't possibly be the ones that's overpopulating. You should have seen those people dancing, some white folks having a party dancing when Mugabe um when he when when he resigned. But what bothers me the most are the black that's dancing because he was the one that was trying to get him out of Zimbabwe. Yeah. And 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 the, the military coup, the military coup that took place uh is really really sad. It's really sad, sir. Black power. Black Power. Well, tell us a little bit behind. Do you know a little bit of what behind what uh, caused Mugabe to want to resign? Well, we know how it how it goes when he started getting rid of all of those. When he started getting rid of the white folks and returning the land to the people, uh, mm-hmm. somehow or another, mm-hmm. folks got in, and and for him to have to have bowed to the Chinese. Uh, somebody bought off the military, so of course we all know what happens when the military takes over a state. But um, it was a military coup, primarily because of the way Mugabe was moving. Yeah, see, and that's how they do. And you had those Negroes dancing in the street, and those Negroes over there are not much more different than our Negroes over here. We got Uncle Tom Negroes over here. We got colonized Negroes over there that learn from their masters. And they go to dancing in the street because they have been into the propaganda and the hype that they were missing out on something. That Mugabe was holding them back. That your life will be now uh, more enriched. You will have more things. Not understanding since Mugabe was bringing in a nationalism and returning the land to the people. And this is one of the things that plague us as African people. When we talk about our independence and our freedom. 
the first thing that pops in a lot of our heads are the hardships and the difficulties. And that's what we don't want to think about, let alone face. Let alone well, face. I think, so we may, go ahead. I was just saying, well, what I think is, is, is really um, sad is that, um, you know, the, to, to recognize that they're dancing in the street, to, to, to yeah. see that they don't realize how much how much they how much they're gonna lose at this point? Um, because but Mugabe the mistake he made was that like a lot of our uh, our our leaders make they don't want to groom nobody to take their place they just want to stay there forever. He was ninety seven years old, mm-hmm. ninety three or ninety seven. But by the same token, that was one of the big mistakes that he made. You know, because had yeah. he been grooming somebody, the coup couldn't have never took place, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And educating and educating the masses of the people, getting the people. One of the things that I, for example, I use is Cuba. They like to say Fidel, and for a minute I thought, man, well, maybe it's Fidel, and when Raul, when his brother comes into power, all of that's going to crumble. And it's, but the, it's the, when the people, the, uh, the revolution in Cuba was a people's revolution. So the people still held to some of their principles and some of their, you know, philosophy and how they wanted to live their life, their social structure. And it's the same thing. So you have these Negroes in Zimbabwe dancing in the street because these capitalist interests have come in, Chinese have come in, and they've whispered in a few people's ears how much they probably bought them a Big Mac and a Coca-Cola, let them sit in the back room, eat some French fries, told them it's this much better. <laughs> you know, we can bring a Starbucks over here, we'll bring a McDonald's. We'll bring our plasma televisions and big screen TVs and you have cars. Not understanding that this is not, when you come from a nationalist understanding, when you come from a socialist understanding where the people are empowered, you don't really comprehend the evils of capitalism. See, we're like Moses in the house of Pharaoh. We've been raised up under this devil, so we understand the evils of capitalism. We understand materialism. We understand that a lot of the materialism is to keep us blinded to the condition that we live in and that capitalism only selects an elite few or only allows a few to rise to a, a station, in, a classist station. See, they don't know that yet. All of them still have these dreams that they're going to be empowered that they're going to have that big car, that they're going to have those big TVs and that big house. Finally, we're going to get an opportunity at the good life like they live in America, not understanding that some of them, the majority of them, have to still be the steel workers and the factory workers and still will be making below, still won't have that big screen TV, still won't have them cars. I I think what's ironic, uh, sir, is uh, I had an African guy, he was from, uh, I forget where he was from, but when he came over here, he said he came because his brother was already here, and his brother was saying the streets of America was paved with gold. And he mm-hmm. didn't hurry up and come. So finally when he got here, he found out what his brother was doing was playing the lottery, and he was homeless, playing the lottery, had nothing, but he was still selling the story to the people at home that the streets were they give away money in America. Black yeah. power. Yeah. Black power. Right. So that's that's what they sell them on across seas. You know, the American dream and that you can have these things too. So they painted Mugabe out to be the criminal. They paint these people out who have the best interests of their people at heart to be the criminals. 
and say that this is why you're being held back. Not, they don't tell them about the sanctions that's being slapped on your country because you have someone saying, you know, Zimbabwe for the Zimbabweans. They don't tell them about the, um, um, like I said, the sanctions and the holdbacks and the economic uh, uh, sanctions and embargoes and all of these things placed against these countries that are trying to power the people or trying to enrich the country. We go to kicking these corporations out. I think that we have to see we we we're, we're so we're fat cats over here. The African in America, he is a fat cat. Even in our lack, even in our scarcity, we are fat cats. So we don't understand by us constantly being bombarded with commercials and living in a capitalist country where corporations run everything basically, and it's money. We don't understand. The rule of that, because we're already in it. We're in the sauce. So we don't understand the lure of that. And so when they go over to these other places that don't um, have those type of things, or not just go over to other places, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping thoughts. So when we don't understand how nasty these corporations can be, how these corporations will fund the army, how these corporations will fund rebel groups and other terrorist groups to go in and to clear out land. I forget what tire, I want to say Firestone, but don't quote me on it because I'm not 100% certain. But there was um, in the Congo, this corporation, this tire corporation that funded terrorist groups to go in and clear out villages so they could get the rubber trees. So we don't understand how much pull and influence Corporations have big oil corporations and other things that they have in these countries, and that's what they do. And they go and they start hiring some people, and they set up schools. A lot of these missionaries that go to these countries, that's what they do. They set up these schools and they start to indoctrinate these people. And by us being indoctrinated, we can't see. See, when the devil indoctrinates you, it's hard to see the evil. When you've been around, smell. It's hard to smell burning flesh. You can't smell your flesh burning. Mm. But we have to begin to take a vested interest in what's going on worldwide because it is reflective of what is happening to us here in America. We have to study countries and people who have practiced a nationalism, a form of nationalism, by empowering their people and saying the land belongs to them and the resources belong to them and them as a nation and the people should be enriching or should be, in, um, be the ones that get rich off of the resources that are in their land. We have to study that and we have to try to begin to empathize with that. We have to look at our situation in a realistic light, that we are people that have been displaced from our land, so we don't have a land. We're over here. We're not citizens. We're denizens. So we don't have – we're not fully covered by the rights over here. We can't enjoy the rights that they say their citizens have over here because clearly, unless you don't watch the news, they're constantly being defied, constantly being defied, our, our so-called rights, neglected and ignored. We're being murdered, and that's just and that's just the tip of the iceberg. The, um, um, amongst all the other discrimination, repression, suppression, exploitation, and oppression that African people face over here, but we become immune to it. We become immune to it. 
So we have to study. So Pan-Africanism allows us to see ourselves bigger than just former slaves in America. And not only just seeing ourselves bigger than just seeing ourselves former slaves in America, Pan-Africanism begins to tie us to our brothers and sisters throughout the diaspora. And we begin to feel that pain and share that pain. And we begin to try to find ways within our means to alleviate some of that pain. Now we have to keep our eyes in the coming months, keep our eyes open for what's going to happen in Zimbabwe. International policies. We have to, we should follow international policies. Pan-Africanism is imperative to the liberation struggle of Africans here in America. There's no way around it. There is no way around it. This is one of the reasons when we study some of the writings of our predecessors, whom we at the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination call the Third Development. A lot of people call the original Black Panther Parties. We call them the Third Development. Maybe we have a show on that later, why we call it the Third Development. But the Third Development Panthers, when you study in their writings, then you will cut there's a theme that, that sometimes reemerges, that emerges and reemerges. And they say that the black man and the black woman in America, the African here in America, is the vanguard of the revolution. We set the pace. The same way that America sets the pace for imperialism, for world, for global, complete, total, uh, uh, global conquest and domination, you know, America leads the march on that. It's the same way that the oppressed people here in America will become that motivation, that that beacon for standing up for liberation, and that will inspire the masses. One of their fears is that that will inspire the masses of the people internationally. When you have when the people in the so-called richest country in the world, the so-called country of milk and honey, like Minister Justice was saying, streets paved of gold, and its denizens and its inhabitants fighting against the injustice, fighting against the hypocrisy and the contradictions of the so-called country and their constitutions and their bill of rights and their laws and legislation, then that sets a precedence in the world. And we have to be in the Pan-Africanist mindset, this international, this global mindset that we are an example. And we need to study the tides, how they're changing, and be involved. And be involved. One of my personal projects I'm taking on with my brothers and sisters is I really want to look more into the Puerto Rican thing. I know what a lot of people say, oh, man, the Puerto Ricans, Puerto Ricans, I'm telling you. Listen, you have to listen. They have African descent, and what's happening there to our brothers and sisters of African descent is not right and exact. But I would advise everybody to take up some type of international cause dealing with Africans. It's time to not just intensify the struggle, but to elevate the struggle for liberation and empowerment of African people. Here in America and globally, it's time to take it to the next level. We must begin to not only 
react like we're acting. We don't want to keep being reactionaries, but some of the reactions are necessary. What I see on Facebook and what I hear out of the other groups are great. You know, when some type of injustice visits uh, African people in America or something, you know, happens to us, we pull together, we react, we protest. We do all of those things that we should do to bring awareness to the issue, but it is time to be proactive. And not just, and the way that you become proactive is you have to become politicized. See, reaction is an emotion. It's an emotional response. Someone hits you, you hit back. It's an emotional response. It's reflex. You feel the pain and you start swinging back. Or you run. You know, you have these emotional responses. We don't want to be just emotional people. Emotions are necessary, but we don't want to be governed by our emotions. We don't want to just be emotional people. We must be proactive, and in order to be proactive, you must be politicized. So it's time to politicize our struggle. It's time to really begin to think about the domino effect of what we're doing. I don't think that we think the things through on what's taking place or what we're doing. And like I said, we become emotional, even in our Pan-Africanism. And I'm, my mouth is closer to my ears, brothers and sisters. My mouth is closer to my ears. I have been one that has said Africans don't like us. I don't deal with those Jamaicans. I don't do this. I don't hear. Listen, so I know. I know a lot. Of, I know the arguments. I know a lot of the reasons, and some of them very justified. Very justified. Our brothers and sisters who have come from other places, have fit into the propaganda of the African here in America. The nigger is what they call you, the nigger. Some of them have really been into it and begin to enact in such a manner and, be, and behave in such a manner that you know they've been into the propaganda of white America towards the black man and the black woman here, the African here in America. You know they do. You've heard the statements, oh, black people here are lazy how can you? Can we come and we do this and do not understanding there again them not being politicized, not understanding that it's we're held back intentionally. They let you Negroes come through because first of all, when they vetted you to let you in America, they knew you were ripe for the picking. They knew you were ripe for the picking. They okay. knew you could get over here. That you know, yes, they knew it. That's why they vetted you. Then they educated you. And they put you through, so they give you a little something. You know, they let you over, let your black self over here because they know that you're not black American. You're not African through the American experience. How you can't empower someone that you have constantly oppressed. Their fear won't allow them to do that. Their fear. They fear that if you're on top, you will do to them what they have done to you for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So they're not going to empower you. And they do do the Willie Lynch. Whether the letter is actual or fictional, it's still some relevance to it. And they do do that. They divide us. So we have to work harder along those lines to bring about some unification from our brothers and sisters that are from other places to over here. And it's not going to be overnight. You know, a lot of it probably won't even be accepted. The efforts towards solidarity might not even be accepted by them because some of them are really have a, had a job done to them. 
But nonetheless, for the sake of unity, for the sake of us understanding and coming together as one people, it's an effort that has to be made. I mean, all people do it. All people do it. When you look out, the Latin, the Latin people do it. In the pan-Latinism, the, the uh, Mexican, the El Salvadorian, the Guatemalan, the, the whatever, the Spanish-speaking people. Even some of our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters, I don't know, don't they fall up under the Latino type of thing? I thought they did. That's why it was such a shock to hear a lot of them say, hey, you know what? We're acknowledging our African ancestry. The Asians do it, the Japanese, the Koreans, the Chinese. Every people practice this pen is all-inclusive of their ethnicity. But the African must ask himself, what do you want to be? Not how you want to worship, not how you want to dress, not what food you want to eat, but what are you? What is your ethnicity? What is your origin? Especially, especially if you have certain characteristics that they were called Negroid. I think it's three groups. I don't know, isn't it, Minister Justice, three, the Conquizoid, the Mongoloid, or the, the Mongoloid and the Negroid? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Think they have those classifications. So if especially if you have these characteristics and these physical features that they will classify you as Negroid. And once you begin to understand that this is the classification that you fall under, you understand what comes with that classification. The discrimination, the racism, the oppression, and a lot of instances, the murder. Well, well, I think what's disheartening is when, when you have conversations with people from the motherland, uh, the conversations, and I know a lot of us uh, women, uh, I, we, I, I don't, I, I'd like to say that a lot of us are privy to these conversations because we get our hair done, and uh, African braiding, get our African, our hair done, African braiding. However, the conversations that take place are basically like. Um, why you want to do that? Like, why you want to? Uh, why Why would you want to go 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 to the to Africa? You know, um, why would you? You know, the way that they approach us is like they know one thing. They know something we don't know, and number two, they have a. Uh, it's just like a Spanish person. If you if you if there's some Spanish people that if you speak Spanish, and you ask them something in Spanish, they'll pretend like they don't understand what you're saying. And, and and I've seen that a lot, you know, among our people from, from, from the motherland. You know, just having conversations with them, they want to know why you want to do that. And uh, anything it is that you want to do, they vehemently are opposed to it, you know. And, and, and that's been my experience anyway, aside from the ones that want to um, – that want to bother with you about a service you already gave them and they're supposed to pay. But um, as I said, uh, it's it, 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 it's not – you know, pan, practicing Pan-Africanism with individuals uh, from the motherland, they are more colonized than we could ever be. That they, I, the, the, the things that I be seeing is just a little bit too much. Sir. I don't know what the men have to say on that, but that's been my experience. Right, Power? Right, Power. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that they are. And I think, like I said, first of all, you know, they're colonized. They're colonized people. Not only, you know, we were brought over here and um, – enslaved 
But when they came to Africa and just changed the whole feature, you know, they, they came over there and did their number to the people on their own land. You know, that's a whole nother trauma. You know, that is a whole nother trauma. It's one trauma. We, we were kidnapped. Our ancestors were kidnapped, enslaved, forced to learn different languages, cultures, and everything in a foreign land on a foreign place. But it's something else for them to come in your house, kick in your door, set up shop, and tell you this is no longer your house, what you are going to do, what you aren't going to do, and make you have to, right there in your land, your ancestral land, um, not only deny your culture, but to belittle your culture, to belittle your ancestors, to belittle your customs and traditions. They have you thinking that you were savage. Like you said, then they come over and say, why would you want to go over there? Why would you want to visit Africa? You know, how do you come in somebody's house and have them thinking that they're wrong in their own house, the house that they built? Oh, all of this is wrong. You know, so we, we do have to be mindful of who we're talking to, those type, especially those Africans over here. I'll never forget. You know, when I talk to them and they get to talking like that, I tell them, I say, you know what, but I yeah, I don't know why I expected anything less. You were handpicked. You were handpicked, Negro. <laughs> they allowed you to come in. Ain't nothing radical about you. There's nothing African because if it was, you wouldn't be. You and I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. You know what I'm saying? You put in your visa. You petition to be over here. You let them know I can be a good nigga. I can be better than the niggas you have. But we have to begin to, as the Africans here in America, we are that next. We are that chapter in the whole African experience. Like Jamaicans are a chapter. The Haitians are a chapter. The West Indies or a chapter, wherever you find African people or people of African descent, that is an extension, that is a chapter in the history of African people. From all the way from Egypt to Timbuktu to the shores of North America, all of those are chapters in the history, in the great history of Africa. So we, be, we have to begin to, as Africans here uh, in America that has had this African experience, begin to... Um, claim that, stand on that, and prayerfully in our actions and our coming together, we will start to shame those Africans who are ashamed to be African. Shame those Africans who are ashamed to reach across the line to extend the hand to their African brothers and sisters right here who have been reared on the continent of America. I mean, on the, in the yeah, in the on the continents of America and North America, and extend what, that hand and go ahead, sister, please. What's What's incredible was uh, this morning I I ran into a gentleman that was he was talking on the phone, and he was talking on the phone to he said to the person that he was talking on the phone to was from Morocco, <laughs> and the person was saying hello to everybody that was standing there. And that he had never spoken to people in America before. But what I noticed is that he said, we all African. He said, but you know what? This is North Africa, so this and that. And I was listening to the education and Pan-Africanism of Arabs. And I'm like, listening to these people saying, we all African from Africa. And this is North Africa. I, you know, but when you listen to, as opposed to uh, indigenous, dark African 
who will never mention the fact that where they um, West Africa or uh, they're, they're, they're speaking in their language and they're saying good morning to everybody who might be standing around. None of those things. The education and the Pan-Africanism that's um, the, the, not so much the Pan-Africanism but the nationalism that um, other cultures have as opposed to indigenous Africans. I was like, these white men, these white folks really did a number on us as a people, really did a number when you can hear people speaking in Arabic from Morocco talking about they are Africans from North Africa, black power. Black power, absolutely. And we'll claim it, and we'll claim it gladly. You know, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So you're right. A number has been done on the uh, African man and woman. You Yes. And it's a terrible thing, you know. It is a bad thing, man. Um, so we look at, we look at, we look at that. So that's what we say about Pan-Africanism. You know, how can we, how can we, um, how would this empower us? How is Pan-Africanism good for us? Our lives are open, this your brother, National Chairman, Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Our lives are open. And we're just having a rap session, you know, about about Pan-Africanism and why Pan-Africanism is important. Why Pan-Africanism is is, is is super important and the need for it. You know, some don't feel like that we have a need for it. That it's a waste of energy and effort that we should be focusing and concentrating on more things here. I'd like to know that perspective. You know, so it's just all a matter of what you think, brothers and sisters. It's just all a matter of of what you think. Why am I a Pan-Africanist? Because I understand that, you know, together, unified, we can accomplish anything. Unified, we can accomplish anything. And I do understand that people of Africa, particularly people of African descent, have been targeted. Not just as individuals, not just as the human being aspect, but our whole continent. Has been targeted, and that's something else altogether. You know, that's something else altogether. That our whole continent—they have targeted our whole continent. So, how do we come together, and how do we fight this? You know, how do we how do we come together and fight it? Let's go to our phone lines. Go ahead, um, Justice, because you you running the you running the boards today, which I definitely thank you for doing. So if we have callers, please. Let's go to our phone line. Uh, sir, you have a caller at four seven zero one four four four. Your line is open. What's going on, nephew? What's happening, brother? Hey, man. I'm all right. I would have came in early. I was eating, man. Pardon me, man. You know, I got, I mean, you know, when it comes to, you know, finding, uh, you know, how do we battle it, you know, I got a philosophy, you know what I'm saying? You know, when it's a team thing or, 
us against them, my people against your people. You got to find a number and hit it. You know what I'm saying? Find somebody with a number and, and you and you take them down. If we all for the same thing, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's, it's no different. You know, so if we all standing on the same side of the fence, you know what I'm saying? Find a number and take them down. You know what I'm saying? And as far as international causes, you know what I'm saying? Close your eyes and pick one. You know what I'm saying? Because it's plenty. It's plenty. It's plenty things. It's it's it's, it's plenty things out there that 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 need they need everything you can give. You know what I'm saying? There's plenty things out there that need everything you can give. So you know that's 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 more on a personal level, like you know, what 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 moves you? I mean, as far as all side side things go. You know what I'm saying? Apart from the the main issue, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm just listening. Yeah. I'm enjoying the show, man. It's Tuesday. What's up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You you want yeah. one of your headphones? Yeah. This is Beanie Wee. It's Tuesday. Yeah, man. It's Tuesday. Uh, we tuned in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm always bring. I'm always bring people with me. I heard that. I heard that. So, what you feel about? But let me ask you this, Hakeem. What do you feel about? We talk a little bit about Pan Africanism. What do you feel about the relationship between the African here and the uh, the African in America, black people here in America, and, and the Africans that come over here? Well, you know, to me, to to me now, them other Africans are foreign. They phone them Only because of the way that they treat us When you in an African store It ain't no different from being in a Korean store <laughs> You know what I'm saying It's not no different When you shopping with the African You know what I'm saying It's like you shopping with these people Who don't want to deal with you So to me yeah. they, they foreigners they, 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 they give me the same energy I get from the white folks From the Koreans you know what I'm okay. saying? You know, but but we got to find a bridge. I'm not saying it's right, but we got plenty of common ground. But everybody got to, you know, everybody got to find understanding. You'll never find that if they think they're better than us and we think they're better than us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and I I didn't met some and I didn't and I didn't met some some Africans with plenty of culture. You know what I'm saying? From Philly. Like this here. They just like me and you. Big elephant on his back. He's from coast from Ivory Coast. You know what I'm saying? He's kicking it. You know what I'm saying? So I know it can I know it's it's common ground. You know what I'm saying? It's it's it's, it's common ground. It's just yeah. not just with the foreigners, even with even with the brothers that's over here in this country. You know what I'm saying? We be so so caught on each other's flaws. Well, we got the same problems there, and that got to be bigger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your goals got to be bigger than your difference. Yeah. You know, the goals got to be bigger than the difference. And that's been the biggest thing. A lot of them don't see that we got the same, you know, the same goal. Absolutely, man. I don't know um, what they're looking for. 
Well, like you said, you know, they get grants, they get land, they pre-approved for all type of credit and all type of stuff. So, I, 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 you know what I'm saying? These are things that, that they get, not just African, not just anybody coming into America. These are things that they pre-qualify for. It's set up like this for you to come over here and, and get established. You know what I'm saying? What, what the ultimate goal is, I don't know. But this is the way it's set up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're coming through. You're pre-approved. They work for the Italians. They work for the Koreans. You know what I'm saying? And the Japanese. These 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 these, these Orientals then built railroad. They were they were slaves too. America not playing with you. You gonna put in some work. You know what I'm saying? They been hey, they been slaves too. You know what I'm saying? Had a had a had a had a big had a big part to do in Western settlement in the in the railroad tracks. You know what I'm saying? But uh-huh. you know they turn around and and you know when you when you get your life together and your family can come on over here. No, thank you. When you get your life together and your family can come over here, we're gonna we're gonna pre-approve you for all kind of credit and give you a small business loan. We'll give you a little plot of land. You know what I'm saying? These are all benefits that, that we don't. They, they when they come over here they got these rights. You know what I'm saying? You know we qualify. You know black people from this land. You know we can get grants. And we got to do all this and all that. But for the most part, the rules is gonna be against us. And, and if the, and if we find a way to fix it, they'll rewrite it. They'll rewrite it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They'll rewrite it. Yeah. You know, and that's why the unity is so important. You know, because that's the only way to beat it. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's the only way to beat it. It's to be unified. That's the only way to get anything that's accomplished is to be unified. You know, and, and we look at it, we have to, like I said, we have to step up our game and become politicized. We don't want to just be reactionary. We don't want to just be running after every tragedy that has hit us as black people. We want to be able to be proactive. We want to be able to go ahead and some of this off at the past. And in order to head that off at the past, we have to have a, an agenda, a purpose, a vision, all of those things. And not just those things that to be solid, to be united, not just want to be national, but to be united in the You know, to be united internationally, right. Is that your phone making all that static hot? Yeah, man. It was. It was. I think I got I think I got you now. I didn't put something Okay. On. Okay. And that's to be, and that's to be, that's to be, you know, and that's to be united internationally. Like I said, when you look at it from that perspective, when you look at it from just a world view, and I always say, you know, I always say other people do it, other people do it. That shouldn't be the only motivation we do it. I'm trying to use them as an example of what can be done. I get sick of us as African people in America talking about what the hell we can't do. We can't work together. We can't come together. You can't do business with black folks. This and that. We're always quick to talk about what can be done. 
without putting yeah. forth some solid effort to do it. And, of course, there have been failures in the past. There have been people that have made attempts at, um, you know, everything from black businesses to repatriating to returning to Africa. And there have been obstacles. There have been hardships. There have been difficulties. But understand that this is not by nature. They're not natural difficulties or hardships. They're by design. Right. So what is it that scares people so much? that they want to stop the unification of African people globally. I think that that has to be one of the questions. It's easy to get bogged down in our own misery and in our own troubles. We can't see anyone else's trouble, but what we could see on a larger scale, then we will understand that we all reflect one another, all African people reflect one another. The hardships and the difficulties we go through are all interrelated based on nothing but our Africanness. A war has been waged against Africa. The mother Africa, the continent of Africa, and the people of African descent or the people of African ancestry. And even if you don't call yourself an African, you of the Negro classification. Tell that white folk that. You know, I ain't no African. I'm a boy. I'm <laughs> yeah. You Negroid. You're in the Negroid classification. You're not Caucasoid and you're not Mongoloid. <laughs> you're yeah. Negroid. You're not Asian. You're not white. So they put. So this type of thing, and I think that one, like I said, one of the beauties of Pan Africanism is see, it also allows us to see ourselves bigger than just black people here in America. I think that that has been one of the problems. When you see yourself as just a black person in America, a lot of times you start to fall under the illusion that you're that you are an American. I'm an American. I'm not African. I'm nothing but American. You begin yeah. to get into that. And you're then when you yeah, you're a patriot. Or not, you know, not, right, not, and, and just not about being patriotic. I don't even get on my African. I know I may catch a lot of flack behind black people for this. I don't even get on my African people that are patriotic because as a black nationalist, I acknowledge all the contributions and achievements of African people. And we had, whether I agreed with them or not, whether I agree with them or not, we had black people that had contributed to not just founding this country, not just selling the ships that brought devils over here to this country, but in the first, what did they say, in the, in the Revolutionary War, the, one of the first people that died was a brother, Christopher, Chris, Christmas Atis, Atis, isn't that his name? Wasn't he one of the first people to die, a black man? You know, I tell yes, black people that should have told Christmas Attic. That's right. Christmas Attic the first black person to die in the rest. But I tell black people that should have been a warning. You got all the British soldiers. You got all these white people out there. <laughs> protesting. The first person to shoot is a nigga. It's the setup. It's the setup. Send the nigga for all of these, all these white people out here protesting. Yeah. And the first person to get shot is a nigga. That set the president. I'm telling you, that set the example. That set the standard for American politics. But nonetheless, 
Nonetheless, yeah. black people have contributed to the founding and the making of this country. So I don't even too much knock. I pay the, the Tuskegee Airmen, the uh, 54th Division in the uh, Civil War from the from the Revolutionary War of Independence for this so-called country to the Civil War to World War One, World War uh, to World War Two. We have fought. We have shed blood. We have died. You know, so I don't even knock the, the, the patriots. But what I do have a problem with with any African over here is that disconnect to Africa and to African people and to the empowering and bettering of African people, not just here in America, but throughout the diaspora. I think that that is a travesty. Just I think that that is a travesty. Go ahead, brother. Just owning your people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, straight disowning your people. Straight disowning our people. And that's and that's never that's never good. And this is why we find ourselves in the position that we're in now. This is why we find ourselves in the position that we're in now. But what that does is it takes work. What we don't want to produce or what I've seen and of course these are my opinions. But what I've seen and what it looks like to me is a lot of times we don't want to take the time out. We don't want to do the work that it takes to begin to formulize a strategy to That's put together. Possible. Yeah, we, yeah. we're okay with a little person yeah. sometimes. You might shoot a brother every now and then, but you know what yeah. I'm saying? Got comfortable. Yeah. I see it, I see it all the time. You know, completely comfortable, and not just and and in that comfort. Here's the sad part of of that comfort, because in that comfort we've become immune to or have gotten used to the misery, the discrimination, the oppression, and all the things that accompany that so-called comfort. Mm-hmm. We've gotten used to that. These protests and these things that we're doing now are just um, what I call. Uh, therapeutic measures. They make us feel, yeah. we feel like we're doing something. They kill one of us, we get to picket signs, and we start picketing in front of the police station, and, you know, Black Lives Matter, and we hoop and holler, and we walk around for four or five hours. It feel, It's a stress relief. It makes us feel like that we've done right. something. You know, we've struck a blow against the system. We're standing out against injustice. And like I said, it has its time and place. It has its necessity. I won't take that from it. But what it fails to do is to address long-term issues, goals, aims, and objectives. It is just something, it's a knee-jerk reaction. And it's okay if that's the first reaction you have, but if that if that's as far as your action goes, if that's where you stop for the advancement of African people, then you're doing yourself and your people a disservice. And that's what ends up happening. You know, and that's what ends up happening. But black nationalism, pan-Africanism will constantly keep you in a state of awareness 
and will constantly keep at the forefront of your mind that we are in a war. A war has been declared against us as a people. I I I got a I got a question. Huh? Yeah. Uh, you know what would be. What would be, because I don't think that's a proper response to a brother getting gunned down in the streets either. You know what I'm saying? But what would be a proper, what would be a proper response? You know, I've been shot by the police. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What is, what is a proper, what is a proper response? Like, what is my tip for your tax? Man, you know so much I would love this. <laughs> That's why I say there's so much I would love to say. There's so much I would love to say. <laughs> there's so, I mean, you know, coming from the top. We we coming from the top, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, there's so much I love to say, say, and that statement in itself could get me in a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? Or what would you love right. to say, Mr. Yeager? You know, they, you know, they're on it, especially with this whole thing of, Black identity extremists, and they're saying that this is one of the reasons is they see black identity extremists as reprisal against law enforcement. About things that so there's a lot of things. But, you know, the first thing I will say is that you can't tell a man not to be a man. And I am right. an advocate of self-defense. You know, I listen, I believe in defending yourself, point blank. If somebody's trying to kill you unjustifiably, defend yourself. That's, that's what I got to say on that matter. I do believe that. But as a whole, in the aftermath, in the aftermath, as a whole, long-term, listen, what I would do, one of the things I would love to organize is everybody that, every business that supports the FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police, I think you should boycott. If Quick Trip gives police free coffee, you should stop going to Quick Trip for gas. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If Dunkin' okay. Donuts gives a police officer a donut, you shouldn't buy a damn donut from Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. If Firestone changes police tires, you shouldn't buy tires from Firestone. Yeah, I think if police drive Fords, you shouldn't even buy a Ford. Don't even buy a Ford. Don't even buy it. If they drive Chevys, don't even buy a Chevy. That's right. Whatever, whatever empowers economically or just morally gives, uh, empowers a corrupt, which has been proven to be a corrupt police regime, we should not empower those people that empower the police. Bottom line. This is a capitalist system. Go ahead, sister. Gentlemen, I think what made a big uh, impression on me was when uh, the police officers in New York turned their backs on de Blasio and they're they going to do their own thing. I would, that, mm. Now, that right there, that was scary. And it's scary because yeah. they, they proved that they were the ones in charge. They proved that as terrorists, <laughs> they are the one in charge. When they turned yeah. their backs on de Blasio. So I don't yeah. know how he, yeah. how he smoothed that over, but they certainly, and I, it was the FOP. They let him know yeah. that... Uh, because I think he said that the statement he made was, you know, I clearly understand how the populace feels because my son, it could have been my son because his son is biracial. He said it could have been yeah. my son and his son looked like he's black. So when he made that statement, they really all, they just lost their minds behind that. And I think that, well, um, like that. as a whole, as a whole, I, uh, I, I do believe 
that people are beginning to understand because it's just like a military coup. It ain't just like it can be because these individuals are really yeah, so. They yeah, Reverend Dorsey went up there and talked about he gonna go pray for the uh, the Blasio and the police department. That that was a bit much, but I think to see it live because I was there, and just to see how how, how um, they got the mayor over a barrel was just a bit much. Black power. <laughs> Black power, absolutely, Black absolutely. They do their own thing. You know, and they don't feel reprisals or repercussions from a system that, you know, their silence is condoning their actions. That there is no type of, you know, when they walk with a slap on the wrist or they walk for killing black men and black women, you know, they don't fear the repercussions of a system. They don't see any reprisals from anywhere. So they begin to be their own entity. You know, but that's why, you know, when you want to hurt capitalists, that's what you do. You hit them in their pocket. Then one of the reasons why I say that it's necessary to politicize our people to become involved in the politics, to become aware of the politics that affect you directly and indirectly, directly and indirectly, is because we allow, you know, these people that are getting voted in, especially on local levels, some of them, if you watch their campaigns, they say, I have the endorsement of the FOP. Law and order. You know, but we don't get involved in the politics. It's not about looking for politics to change our conditions. It's not about looking for politics to change our conditions. It's about getting in the fight. Let me tell you something. When I went to, like, when I went to, was locked down like you, nephew, and I got into a fight. And I used to I used to throw them hands on the street. So I, I thought I could fight. You remember that? I, I, so I thought I could fight till I went to prison. And I went to prison. I throw them hands. I was being all pretty. A nigga in prison was throwing them knees and bows. Yeah, fifty two on him. Put them yells. I'm like, damn. What? I'm like, yo. I had one nigga bite me. Mm. In prison, nigga bit me. So I hollered out. I hollered out. The nigga bite me. You know what one of you know what somebody else hollered out? Oh yeah. They said nigga they said nigga you in a fight. You in the fight. It's legal. I seen I gabs and everything, man. Everything. You trying to be pretty. You in here trying to be Muhammad Ali. Yeah, you got some nice hands for the street. Yeah. When the girls are looking. Like a butterfly. No, man. Yeah. It's serious yeah. in here. It's serious. When you're fighting for your life, that's a whole other thing. You ain't fighting because some girls say, ooh, girl, look, you got them hands. You fight for your life. Yeah. Ain't nobody here to see Yeah. Ain't nobody here to see So that's how it is with the African here in America. We in a fight. We in a fight. We, we in a fight. So, and ain't no rules to it. Ain't no rules to a fight. So if it's advantageous for you to control, this is one of the things that I know what I love about the People's Party for Black, uh, People's Black Family Party for Self-Determination is I think it's number three or number four in the non-local objectives where it says we must control the politics and the politicians in our community. There are billions, there are thousands, millions of dollars advocated to communities 
for renovation of the community, for um, parks, for just everything, the upkeep and the maintenance of the communities that we live in, and we don't see that money because we don't go to because we don't go to um, we don't go to the community meetings. We don't check the politicians that have the first access to this money. Apathy has killed us. But we will talk revolution. Mm-hmm. We will talk revolution. And it's mm-hmm. amazing. And the people that you find talking this revolution and talking about they don't get involved in politics, when I look at, and they will, but they will quickly quote uh, Huey... Malcolm, yeah, Bobby, yeah. yeah, Marcus Garvey. They will quote all this. Huey P. Newton was known for quoting and and standing on his constitutional rights to bear arms. It's politics. That's right. It's politics. He cited in the um, I think it's at the end of the Constitution. Where it says that if the government, I'm paraphrasing, if the government is unwilling or unable to protect its citizens or to ensure the rights of its citizens, it's up to the citizens to change that government. Mm-hmm. He quoted this. This was in their papers. Chairman Fred Hamp of the Illinois Black, Fred Hamp Sr. of the Illinois Black Panther Party for self-defense, third development, said politics is everything and everything is politics. Oh, yeah. So we have to politicize ourselves to be aware of the peoples who say to the government that they represent us because saying that, I don't get involved in politics, I don't care nothing about that, and you the masses of the people, but the masses haven't come together as a unified action, haven't come together as a unit to, uh, I mean, come together collectively to have a unified movement or action, then the system the money that's being allocated, the police in your neighborhood, the libraries that's closing and the jails opening up, and all everything that's happening in your neighborhood is by the endorsement, the support of, the permission of, uh, the conversation with the so-called black politicians in your community that don't give a damn about answering to you because you don't show up and make them accountable. You know something, mm-hmm. sir? You have said a mouthful. You said a mouthful oh, yeah. because here in, here in New Jersey about maybe uh, a year ago, um, you got individuals who are constantly out there talking about black chip power, revolution, stop the violence. But uh, when, I, when, we went in, when I went in there to vote, I saw on the ballot, they always had these questions. And one of the questions was, did they want to get rid, in essence, did they want to get rid of bail in New Jersey? Now, now uh, state constitutions are, are, more, are even more strict than the federal constitution. And these people constitutionally decided that, that, that they were going to get rid of bail. And they, they gave some old spiel about how it helps the average person, but what, what it ultimately does is allows them to keep people they want to keep without bail. I heard one of our, one of our comrades, um, one, a brother that we knew, got caught up in that, in that net. And when he got caught up in that net, he started making statements. They got this new thing where uh, – there's no bail. That ain't new. If you had a went to vote, you would have saw it. It ain't new. It was on the ballot, and they asked if that's what y'all wanted. 
And as a mm-hmm. matter of fact, I remember putting uh, on social media, congratulations, uh, New Jersey. You just allowed them to take away bail. So, you you know, um, I understand what you're saying. So if they uh, got you, you are media. stuck. Excuse yeah. me? If they get you, you're stuck. you stuck if they want you. If they want you, you're stuck. And, 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 you know, a couple of brothers that we know have been victims of it. You know, and yeah. it's just like... Um, and, and and it's just like, why is it, uh, oh, you don't want to be involved in politics? So they say, yes, yeah, so, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to put these questions on there. And little by little, we can just erode anything we want to erode because they don't vote. Black power. Yeah. Black power. Black power. It affects you directly, and you won't even step in the building. To, and you won't step in the building. You don't know it's on the ballot. You, you didn't go to a meeting to see that they were <laughs> contemplating that. You don't know that it's on the ballot because you don't vote. Yeah. Same, thing when, same thing when I was in Ohio. You know, they had a vote to legalize marijuana. Don't you know they lost? As many wow. Negroes as they walk down the street see smoking marijuana. On their porches, in the park, in the however. How did Cleveland, how did Ohio lose the vote to legalize marijuana? Absolutely. I told them brothers, I said, man, y'all, as much as y'all smoke, and I don't get involved. So y'all rather run and dodge the police than to be able to go and have it legal. You rather run and dodge the police talking about what the hell you don't do mm-hmm. and how that don't affect you. How doesn't it affect you? How doesn't it affect you? But until we begin right. to, to take control. This is why we the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination, because it's about controlling your life. It's about self-sufficiency. Self-determination, and some of the translations can be translated to mean, is the right to control your destiny, to name yourself, to defy yourself. So we get in these little bubbles. We begin to get to studying and get in these little so-called revolutionary bubbles and these pockets of revolution and really are divorced from the reality of revolution. We're divorced from it. Revolution is work. Revolution is study. Revolution isn't just the flyest speaker, the one who can speak the best, or the one who happens to can quote some uh, revolutionaries that preceded them. Revolutionary is a real analytical study of the condition of oppressed people and how to come from up under the yoke of oppression by, like our dear brother Malcolm said, any means necessary. But that takes study. That takes not just study in theory, but also in practice. You have to begin to practice it. We sitting here waiting for a revolution. We're waiting. We're sitting here. We wait. We think we're going to get that phone call, or maybe we're going to click on Facebook, and it's going to be somebody going to post it. The revolution is here. Yeah. <laughs> that the last poet said the revolution won't be televised because it's going to be spontaneous. It's not going to be a, a commercial for it coming soon. Revolution. It's, not, it's none of that. None of that's going to happen. The revolutionary is one who seizes the time, sees the he he or she sees the climate of change, 
of the longing for change and oppressed people and begin to educate the masses, begin to educate the people to go in that direction of change. But if well, the people know, don't know... <laughs> go ahead, uh. No, no, go ahead, Akeem. Well, I was going to say, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of problems and things that we see, you know, the regular the regular person don't even see these problems. If they take too long to feed us down here, I will go slap crazy on their ass. I don't play. You know what I'm saying? But you know they'll just right. sit around and just wait on their food, like I don't know when they gonna feed us. I'd be upset. I'd be upset. You know what I'm saying? They run at the click yeah. of the door. I'm like, wow, yeah, you know what all that is. It's easier, man. It's, I, it's I, easier. I, it's easier. Are they making people pay to be in jail down there? They doing that here in Jersey. They make them pay. No, nah, nah, they don't make you pay. They just make you work for free. They make you work for free. Everything. Uh, Everything pay. for free. They make you pay for medical. They make you pay for dental. But... Everything else is free. Unbelievable. They make them pay for medical, dental, pay to be in jail. <laughs> so when they get out, they got a bill. <laughs> and when they get out, they give you a, a, a $25 check to tell you good luck. Good luck. And good riddance. Yeah. Yeah, you got a yeah. man. Yeah. You got a man uh, got released. His name was Willie Dog. He had been locked up 42 years. They gave that man $25. And tell him good luck. Yeah. I mean, what do we expect out of this dude? What do we want him to do out there? They they don't care. He's not he's not going to their community. They could care less. He doesn't affect. He doesn't affect. That's what I mean by when we talk about politics and addressing the politics that affect us. The need to open up transitional houses. The need to have these reentry programs in our community run by us because we know what our community needs. And, 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 and more importantly, or not more importantly, just as importantly, that a lot of the crimes that a lot of our brothers and sisters are incarcerated for are because they have perpetrated those crimes against members of our community. So they owe it. Absolutely. So it's up to us. They belong to us. We're our transitional houses. Where are our reentry programs to help them get acclimated back to community and to find them and help them be in a position that will empower our community? And I and I and I want to add something else, man. Yep. You know, a lot of these people, man, they sick, man. You got people, they got cancer in here, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this place help, they got to help walking around for years. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's 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 it's, it's to the it's to the it's to the whole next level. Oh um, man, listen, man, there's so many human rights violations going on. But what do they care when you have a constitution? That's why I say they're against politics. Who's Thirteenth Amendment? But see, that's why it's an amendment. It's been added. Amendments have to be voted on. Do you know they revote our amendment? I forget how many every how many years they have to revote to let black people vote. Wow. He has to re-sign that. And what, which one he has to re-sign that. Bush was taking it. Wow. Bush was taking it. Say it again, Minister. Yeah. 
Bush was taking forever to sign that. So our very right to vote, while these Negroes don't get involved in politics, our very right to vote has to be reinstated. Hang, hang in the limbo at all times. Oh, man, by Europeans. Now, that's how you'll get Negroes into politics. Let the white man put on the news, okay, we haven't re-signed black people to vote. These niggas are niggas that ain't never voted are probably because we reactionary. <laughs> right. We reactionary. Right. Niggas ain't never voted for We wish you would. <laughs> yeah. How dare you take our right to vote? You ever voted? No, I ain't even registered to vote, but you better not take my right. I ain't trying to vote, but I won't ain't right. trying to vote. You, you can't take. Right. So when we look at, so the 13th Amendment, go back to the uh, prison thing. So the 13th Amendment says that slavery is legal for people who have been convicted of crime. Slavery is oh, real. Yeah, it's, real. It's, it's there. It's real. I read. It's there. It's and the slave. Yeah. So then we must understand what slavery is. Slavery is especially slavery as it pertained to the African here in America. Gave the African here in America no right. You were chattel property. You didn't even have right to your children. Your children were born into slavery. Your children were born without freedom. Yeah, we have to think about that evil that was visited upon us. That because I'm a slave, everything I produce belongs to the master, everything from my labor to my children. So it's the same thing in the penitentiary. Your life, your death, your freedom, when they give you that, that jumpsuit, and it says state property on it. You thought That's they were exactly talking about the is. clothes? That's exactly what it is. Right. Oh, you think they're talking about the clothes? Back they in your time, they was, giving, they, was giving, they was giving you extra time for getting tattooed then, back then. What? Bro, look, it was called destruction. It was called damage to state property. When I got my tattoo, we had to hide like we was niggas runaway slaves. Yeah. We have people yeah. that look in and have to look out and all kind of stuff. Destruction yeah. of state property. Catch it with a tattoo if they want to. Your body belongs to the state of Georgia, is what they would tell you. So all of these are politics. We don't get involved in politics, but guess what we'd be screaming? Free the political prisoners. Wow. Yeah. How are you going to free them? And I don't want to hear this romanticism. This fantasy bullshit of we gonna run in there with guns and free them. But how are you gonna free the political prisoners when we don't get involved with politics, understanding that our political prisoners are just that political prisoners, and by the um, Geneva Convention and international rights, some of them should be free. Well, you know, they they scared of the police, though. Who? They're scared of the police. They, they, a, a, a lot of people, they, they, they're afraid of the police. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot, of them, a lot of them are. A lot of people are scared of the police. You know, and I don't, you know, and some of them, I don't knock. That's not, the, you know, I don't knock. If, if there's some of them are scared of police, that may not be the avenue that they fight in. Some of them like, man, I got children, I got a wife, I got this, I got that. You know, and as yeah. a revolutionary, we become so fanatic. You ain't willing to die for the revolution. 
and through nostalgia, going back in history and reading about them and wanting to not only recapture, but to relive and to resurrect those old ways and old methods that we should be learning from. Not trying to relive, but should be learning from, to evolve because they've evolved. The racism isn't just overt as it was. We don't have the straight bull Connors out there like we used to have. I mean, it's out there. Racism out there, and it's blatant. Discrimination is out there, and it's blatant, but not to the extent where the whole social fabric of America endorsed that type of hedonism, that type of barbarity and perversity. Now, the races and the bigots, those people are a lot more convert. They're a lot sneakier with it. They understand that it's taking a different turn and a different tide, and their methods are different, though the outcomes are the same. And us as revolutionaries, those of us that are freedom fighters, those of us that love our people and want to see our people empowered, haven't changed our methods. We're still doing the same exact thing. We haven't changed our methods. Either we're Overly, I don't, I don't want to say overly militant. I don't think that you can be prepared enough. Don't get me right. wrong. But right. we're um, so flamboyant with our militancy. We got our guns, and we're, we got these rifle clubs, and we're marching down the streets, and we want to put on Facebook our confrontations with the pigs. It ain't accomplishing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I don't care. Let me tell you something about me. What I care about arguing with a police ain't nothing. I'll argue with a police if I got to because I understand that pig ain't nothing but the repressive arm or the 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 the, the, the uh, military arm of a repressive government. That pig don't make no legislation and no rules, no regulations, mm. no nothing. I can sit there and argue with that police all day. Get off on YouTube. I don't right, for what? I tell them, I tell them, hey man, go on about your business. Please, right. whatever it is, you got it. Go on, go on about your business now. Oh, you want to what? I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to stand on what's right and exact. We're going to do what's right and exact, but I ain't going to argue with you. Because arguing with you, just like if you kill me, they're going to either let you go or replace you with another racist pig, whether you're black or white. They're going to replace mm-hmm. you with another pig that he's a nigger. If you kill me, argue with you for what? And I don't get involved in politics. I want to know, I want to argue with the suckers that put these laws and these policies in place that make you feel so empowered, so emboldened that you would approach me like this. Yeah, yeah, the one hiding their hands. That allows racial profiling. That allows stop and frisk. Fuck, I'm arguing with the police stop and frisking me for when you ain't the one that implemented the law of stop and frisk. You enforcing it, but you didn't put it on the books. So I got to stop that shit. I got to put that. What, what, what our old folks used to say, nip it in the bud. I got to nip it in the bud. No, I'm out there arguing with you for. I need to find out who put that law on the books, who wanted to pass the law, and this and that, and now and we don't get involved in politics. What's that got to do with me? You don't want to be stopped and frisked. 
You're the one being evicted from your homes. You're the one being profiled. Purses going through. Pockets going through. Discriminated against. And you argue with a police. That's like if you're trying to get in somebody's house or you walking by and a child say, my mama says you can't come in or you can't come in, and you out there arguing with a child. Hell, I always want to tell you your mama comes to the door. <laughs> tell your daddy come in. Hell, I'm out here yeah. arguing with you for. So this is why we have to be involved in our own destiny. It's time to quit taking the easy route, the anger route. It's easy to argue with the police because they're right there they're on the front lines. They're enforcing some bullshit. So you upset. So you go to argue with them and back and forth and bickering. Now you dead or you even in jail. And the law is still the same. Instead of getting out there galvanizing the minds of people to say, hey, you know what? I'm tired of the stop and frisk. It's racial profiling. We need to change this. And how do you change? They say, well, voting don't change nothing. Absolutely. Sometimes, especially on a federal level. But it's not just the vote. It's understanding your power as an African and that power being a social power and an economic power. You find it. See, we don't want to do the research, though. You find you out what companies. Yeah. You find out what companies are supporting and endorsing this candidate that has proposed these racial uh, discriminatory laws against you and your people. You find out that company. How many times have you heard me say that you would not find one Jewish person supporting any business or doing business with any company that has endorsed or supported Hitler in Nazi Germany, the Third Reich? You won't find a Jew doing it. If you put Hitler on a dollar, that Jew would make up his own money. He would refuse to spend that money with Hitler's face on it. But not you and I. We're disconnected to the pain and the misery that afflicts us as a people on the whole. And we don't want to take the necessary steps to address it. I'm about sick of the reactionary bullshit. Excuse my language. I'm about sick of it. And this microwave age that we're living in, this age of instant gratification, this age of being too many being and we want it done. See, to strategize, to have a, uh, uh, to get brothers and sisters to become tacticians and to have a tangible tactic, a real tactic, it is not, and a lot of times, it's not an overnight thing. We're not going to see the results in the morning. Our struggle is a protracted struggle. It is a generational fight. We must teach our children to resist. We must teach our children to love freedom. We must teach our children to love justice. We must teach our children to long and to yearn for liberation. That's right. It has to become a part of our culture. 
And when that becomes the guiding factor, the motivating force, they will begin to develop tactics to usher in, to manifest that, to bring that liberation into fruition. But that's how it has to be taught to them. And then they must see us involved, actively involved in our own liberation. And yes, brothers and sisters, to me, that means the involvement of politics. No, I'm not a reformist. No, I don't believe that the black man or the black woman will find his salvation or her salvation through reform politics. I believe that the old system was set up, the old capitalist system was set up on not just the enslavement of an African people, the exploitation of African people, but the genocide of Native people and the exploitation and oppression of Native people. And people that once owned this land are now so few in number that they can be corralled in a small corner of the United States. That's a travesty. That's a tra- that is a human travesty. I charge genocide. <laughs> I'm telling you, yo, we'll watch. We'll, we'll look. We'll watch Rwanda, Bosnia, Croatia, but uh, yeah, the Bosnia, the Croatia, Croatians, Croatians, or the Bosnia, whoever the Bosnians were fighting. I can't pronounce it. The Croatians. We'll say genocide. We look at China, genocide, human rights violations, everywhere in the world. The audacity of the United States to point the finger everywhere in the world and not acknowledge the crimes that they perpetrated against the original inhabitants and the crimes perpetrated against the people of African ancestry and African origin. And not only not Acknowledge it. Not only not, not I shouldn't say not. Not only would they not apologize for it, they won't even acknowledge it. You see, so it's impossible not to get involved in the politics when politics gets involved with you, or not to be get involved with politics when politics was based and built off of you. Based and built off of you, your subjugation, how to keep you enslaved, what to do with you after they freed you, what rights you would have then. All of these went into their policy making and their procedure making and their laws. How do you not get involved with that when it was based off of you and I? So we have to get involved. And like I said, I'm not a reformist. I don't believe that getting involved in voting like that will uh, free us. I don't believe to that extent that it will free us. But I do believe in a couple of things. First, one of the things that my mentor, Dr. Ahmad Muhammad, formerly known as Max Stanford, look him up, founder of the Revolutionary Action Movement, RAM. One of our uh, dear brother, El Haj Malik Shabazz, more commonly known as Malcolm X's, a confidant, close friend. He says in one of his writings, Black Political Thought, he says that the um, involvement of African people in the political process will serve two purposes, will serve two foes. One of the purposes being it will introduce African people to political procedures. 
It will begin, it will serve as an introduction into political procedures and that being good and beneficial for when we begin to really realistically look at uh, independence for the African people or African people having their own nation that they have to govern. So the involvement in political procedures will give will give us rudimentary, fundamental uh, understanding of politics and the working of politics. That's one. Secondly, that it will serve as a lesson in hypocrisy and the contradictions of this so-called government. See, you can't have in your preamble, in your the beginning of your Bill of Rights, that I hold these truths to be self-evident that all human beings are created equal. And then I heard that that was changed. I was watching watching a documentary on Thomas Jefferson. They said that they changed that. He put that all uh, human beings were born with the inherent right to freedom, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He said the inherent right, not just the inalienable, but the inherent right. And inherent means that you inherited that. Nobody can take that from you. That's a natural right. So they snatched that out of the Constitution. They snatched that out of his writings. So this is the importance of politics, especially when these people are saying that they hold to these documents to be the foundation of their nation, to be the backbone, the bread and butter of what of their nation. So when our people begin to get involved in politics and they read these things and see actions that are to the contrary, they can say it is hypocrisy, it is hypocrisy, it is blatant and major contradictions in what you're saying or what you're professing to hold to and what you're actually doing. It begins to move our people from re- just being a reactionary. Listen, I'm telling you, I could have by the permission of God, the ancestors, uh, 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 probably a nice little number of people supporting and joining the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm not the baddest speaker in the world, but I can speak a little bit. And if I got up there and began to talk about this crack in such a way, this devil, and do this, and we must pick up arms, and I could get you with the fiery rhetoric and move you to some emotional frenzy and take you to the heights of ecstasy. Black rage, black rage, black rage. If I could do that, then the people would be coming in droves. But since I'm calling to a revolution, not just a physical revolution, not just learning to defend yourself, but a mental revolution, an educational revolution, a health revolution, a complete and total change in the African here in America, and I'm calling for the participation and the involvement of choosing you. your destiny. I'm sorry, go ahead and you. I said they feeling you. I, I, I ain't let nobody hear you yet. What mesmerized? Right. I tell on. you what. I tell you what. I let a. Uh, I let a. I, I let a Muslim hear you last week. You know they. You know. You know in prison they're against everything. That's like for your people and all that. Only Islam. So, yeah. so you know he 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 and he he, he 
And he he had notes and everything. He you know what I'm saying? He was like, Well what are we gonna do if it's on us next? You That's know what right. I'm yeah. like, brother, that's, you know. Okay, you know, okay, like, that's, Bobby. You know, that's something to write about. You know, you had him all the way gone and that's all the way against Tell them put it in that cut bars. We want to hear it in that cut bars. We want to hear it in that sermons from the pulpit. Yeah. About, about involvement, but it's my message today. We should have been on Pan-Africanism, but I like the direction it turned to, which is the involvement of what we're going to do as a people. What we're going to do as a people And how we're going to Not just what we're going to do But how we're going to do it And it's not about an overnight thing It it is about realistically Looking at the problem It is about realistically Addressing the problem The days of sensationalism and rhetoric Are done It's about working this thing so we're coming down to our last six minutes, and I'm and, and and I'm about to close out, and I'm about to close out. But with that, before I do, I just wanted to remind us to be mindful, to reach out if we can, like our brother Hakeem was saying, pick a cause internationally, but get involved in your destiny, get involved in your self determination. Begin to get involved. There's no fight too small when it comes to the advancement of African people. No fight too small. Know what those politicians in your community are doing. How they're hobnobbing, rubbing elbows with the upper echelons of society. In many cases, in a lot of instances, them white folks. And how they're pimps of poverty and misery and playing on our apathy and our lack of involvement. And we wonder why our communities and our neighborhoods and our people are in the state and the conditions that we're in because we just don't. How can we say we care when we just when it is obvious that we don't? When you care about your people or you care about yourself, there's nothing you wouldn't do. If your child was trapped under the house in the mud with spiders and snakes or whatever, there's nothing you wouldn't risk to go get your child. So when you talk about the African here in America, how are you going to say what you don't do to free the African here in America and empower the African here in America? I don't get involved with that. I don't do power. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't with them. It is a movement of I because I mean a lot of what I don't do. But there should be nothing too small or nothing too large to empower the African here in America. Listen, I'm your brother. National Chairman Yang and Kruma, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. This was Blog Talk Radio, Independence Blog Talk Radio. I appreciate everyone coming out and listening to me on a Tuesday. Invite some people. Let's get it really going. I, I, I appreciate my regular listeners who call in and listen in. But, yo, invite someone to call in and listen in with you. I'm sure they have an opinion or comment. So with that, I'll leave you as I... Greeted you with all power to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power.
yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I duck, could it be my time is up, with my luck I got up, the cops shot again, bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken, ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rap, to the death of it, to everybody come on, little niggas is grown, hood rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon, shit from the stars, sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers, sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors, if you really think you ready to die, we're not out, this is what nines is about, nigga, the time is now. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. That's all I need. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. Yeah. All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six winners to you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing is fair. Niggas roll up. Shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing. Tasting revenge in the air. I let this shit slide for too many years. Too many times now. I'm strapped with a couple of max. Too many nines. If y'all niggas really with me, get busy. Load up the semis. Do more than just hold it, explode the clip until you empty There's nothing in our way, they bust, we bust, they rush, we bust Let's fly and feel it, I feel it in my gut That we take these bitches to war, lie them down Cause we stronger now, my nigga, the time is now All I need is one 